AM 1600 KIV, ABQ.FM, I'm Mitty Aragon, The Rock of Talk. Straight Talk with Jeffrey Candelaria is on now. And as always, we love having Jeffrey uh, here in the Kiva. Happy New Year, everybody. Yes, it is a happy new year. And thanks for tuning in uh, here on this uh, New Year's Day. And I think it's also important to note that we'd like to thank all the people who helped us get the station back up and running uh, because uh, we were up and running before the beginning of the new year, and that was uh, not something that we had anticipated. So very exciting. And uh, Jeffrey is here in the Kiva. Jeffrey, Happy New Year. How are you? Happy New Year, Eddie, and uh, thank you. It's a pleasure to be uh, with you and associated with Kiva 1600, and I'm oh, very you. impressed with all your new uh, new equipment here. It's like, uh, you know, that new Star Trek uh uh, that was, you know, the the first Star Trek uh, 1706 uh, Enterprise <laughs> went down, so they came out with a new uh, new Enterprise. It feels like I'm on the new uh, version of the Enterprise. We are getting better stuff, <laughs> so that's the important thing is uh, we got to keep improving, and uh, that's what we're going to do in 2022. Happy New Year, and I'm very proud to uh, uh, recognize our new sponsor, who is our, our guest, actually, for the next hour. So big, uh, big hand to our new sponsor, Mr. Ben Morchek, president and CEO of S3. And we're going to be talking about security in your office, in your business, and just security in general as individuals here in, uh, in New Mexico and really wherever you happen to dwell. Ben Morchek, president, CEO, S3. Welcome to Straight Talk with Jeffrey Candelaria. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate you being a sponsor as well. So let's get right into it. Uh, your company, IT Security, is a, a security company. And all of us who have businesses and all of us who have computers, all of us who have iPhones, have been breached one way or the other with something called ransomware or somebody trying to hack our Facebook account or whatever. So that's essentially what we're going to talk about over the next hour. And you happen to be an expert in that field because it's a very, it's, it's a very elusive kind of thing to grasp for the average person when their Facebook account is, is, is breached or their identity has been commandeered or they have been subject to ransomware. So, before we get into these particulars, Ben, how did you get into this discipline called, you know, IT security? Uh, sort of just uh, fell into it. I was with a uh, financial services firm uh, prior to coming on board with S3. Um, and there, you know, it was just typical day-to-day -day things. But uh, something that uh, I learned while I was there was uh, security and, you know, securing financial uh, information for clients, for CPAs and whatnot. And so uh, that, that really got me into the industry and really interested in the industry. And it kind of just went from there. Yeah, because our financial status, our social security number, all those kinds of things really can position us to be victims of, of criminal activity, particularly if, you know, we're vulnerable to that. Some older person who has a lot of wealth, who maybe gives up or surrenders information, you know, that person can really be subject to lots of scams and that kind of thing. So it makes a lot of sense that that you would be predisposed to really being sensitive to, you know, that type of criminal activity. So when did you form your business and what's the thrust of your business before we get into things like, you know, ransomware, hacking, those kinds of things? Well, I, I was uh, brought on board with S3 Technologies back in 2010. Um, 2014, I bought out the last business partner and um, it's kind of just been a sole proprietor. Uh, the, the company was founded in 2008. 
So you are a local company then, correct? Yes, that is correct. And that's really important because you give people access and customized service. Yes, uh, we, we deal with uh, tribal government uh, as well as tribal housing authorities, uh, financial services, attorneys, people that work uh, contractors for the Department of Defense, Department of Energy. Uh, so it's a variety of different uh, industries, but what they all have in common is they have compliance needs. They need to uh, comply to HIPAA, uh, HIPAA high tech, um, as, as well as NIST. So it's in all those compliances, it's all wrapped around security. So that's interesting. Working with tribes, and you obviously serve businesses as well, but tribes, because they have federal contracts, they probably have standards of security that are attached to those contracts, and that's part of what you're discussing. Is that part of how that works? Some of it. They, they really don't have a lot. Uh, like with the housing authority, they deal with a HUD. And, and there isn't a lot of compliance wrapped around there other than showing proof that you're using the, the funds responsibly. Uh, tribal government, we're really not, we augment an existing IT team. Uh, and handle their their higher level uh, IT aspects. Yeah. Of and it. when we're talking about IT, we're talking about informational exchange yes. inside the computer infrastructure, that type of thing. So again, given that we have been in the computer age probably for 30 years now, and now it's so pervasive with literally everything we do, including our iPhone, is a computer, mm -hmm. and information is exchanged uh, through all this technology, and someone like you has to ensure that those standards of keeping things secure, clandestine, uh, operate at those at those standards, the common sense standards. But like you were saying, HIPAA and these other entities have probably higher security standards. I would imagine, right? Yeah, m much higher. And then the uh, the federal government just ro uh, recently rolled out. Uh, a new revision for NIST. So it used to have, say, 107, 110 controls that you had to abide by. It's, it's all the way up to 320, I believe. Mm -hmm. And it, it's partly due to contractors not securing data like they're supposed to and um, hostile countries such as China getting a hold of development of the F-35, the F-22 uh, in near real time because of lax uh, security. Yeah, and, and so they ratcheted it up. So military secrets are the most fleeting of all. That's a an aphorism that we've been familiar with, I'm sure, all of our lives. My again is Ben Morchek. He's the president and CEO of a local company called S3. He's an expert in IT security, and when I, and we're we're talking about security, and all of you uh, that don't even own businesses, you have security issues yourself because every listener has a social security number. Every listener has probably an iPhone of some kind, an address, maybe a Facebook account, and all those are subject to hacking or commandeering by, you know, this evil presence called, uh, you know, these uh, cybersecurity hackers. Uh, before we start talking about the first and most obvious uh, construct within cybersecurity pro called probably ransomware, all of us are familiar with that, introduction between professional versus expert uh, talk a little bit about that, Ben. Uh, you know, a professional is somebody that deals with it every day, and an expert uh, maybe understands it at a higher level. And I, I would I would consider myself kind of the blend of the two because we're in the weeds every day as a professional dealing with it, but then also ha also having to get educated and stay educated and up to date on uh, what's coming uh, and all the uh, potential dangers uh, yeah. that involves. So, for example if somebody is buying their first computer or 
getting a new computer to, to supplant or replace their old computer, those folks should be really aware of how to build the passwords into it, those kinds of things. Is that what you're beginning to discuss there? Is that part of it? Yeah, part of it? I mean, any, when you pick up a system, uh, a lot of the times they come with a free antivirus, um, you know, whether it's Norton, uh, Symantec, you name it. And those are good ones, but that's never good enough. Um, a lot of people rely on their browsers to save their passwords, and that's fundamentally that's a very bad idea. Okay. If you want to use anything to save uh, your passwords, use something like Dashlane. Uh, where there's a master password to get to all the other passwords and maybe potentially two-factor authentication on top of that. Okay. So it's something you know and something you have. And that those are important mechanisms, but try not to ever save your password in your browser because if your computer's compromised, that's all a, of your, all of those passwords are compromised. That is a great point. So this this thing you mentioned is another layer of security. What did you call the service? Uh, uh, it, it's a company called Dashlane. There, there's a number of other ones out there. Um, we've used Dashlane for a number of years simply because there there are no there have have been no breaches. Other ones, and I won't name them, they've had data breaches to where people's master passwords have been compromised. Very good. Again, uh, Ben Morchek is my guest. He's also a new sponsor of Straight Talk with Jeffrey Candelaria. He's the president and CEO of a local company called S3. If you have any questions about security, particularly if you're in business, uh, give Ben a call. What's your contact information, Ben? Uh, it's going to be Ben Morchek at uh, 505-242-5683. Yeah. And what I really appreciate about you is because you are local, you give people access. And that's so important because all of us have recognized, and again, I'm not disparaging large companies or corporations, but sometimes when we do business with these larger companies or corporations, it's nearly I'm not going to use the word impossible. I don't want to exaggerate. But it's extremely difficult and frustrating to talk to somebody who has the authority, the professional ethic, and the expertise to solve your problems. Would you agree? I would agree, yeah. yeah. It's, it, it's painful sometimes when we get on the phone and we have to work through issues with the vendors. And, and to, get, to get an individual that, that, that even cares about the problem that you're experiencing and working, working through it without burning your time, it's, it's a little painful. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about one of the more obvious uh, constructs within the world of security, IT security, cybersecurity, ransomware. Basically holding somebody hostage because now they have, you know, their information, whatever. So how did this kind of this thing called ransomware, how did it begin in your in your view? Why is it so prominent? And, you know, let's just kind of dissect this thing called ransomware. Well, I mean, uh, some genius discovered that if you lock a person out of their information, um, their data that's on a server or anything else, that um, they'll actually pay to get it back. And so that's what they've uh, built are these tricky uh, packages that encrypt everything it touches. And if you want it back, you're going to have to pay them in Bitcoin. Yeah. Why Bitcoin? Because it can't be traced. So an example of ransomware for our listeners that really aren't familiar with it, in the, in a business setting, give us an example without revealing a, an actual business name. Yeah. But give us like an industry where it was co-opted or commandeered by some hacker in you know you know wherever Shanghai or whatever it might have been, and kind of how that works. Give well, us kind of an example. Well, we had a client. Uh, this is the first time we'd seen ransomware, and this was a number of years ago. Uh, the girl at the front desk actually clicked an email. Um, I believe it was an Amazon email or maybe even a UPS. It doesn't matter. It's, they, they mask it to look like a legitimate email. And, you know, and what is everybody getting these days? Well, probably Amazon. So she clicked the link, 
and it in turn a pop-up came up and she clicked the pop-up to try to make it go away and it encrypted everything on her computer as well as everything on the server. And when you say encrypted for our you know lay listeners what what are we talking about when you say encrypted? Basically you can't get into it without a key. So all of their information was locked down and they couldn't get to it. Um you know, unfortunately, you know, she called frantically, hey, there's something wrong. We hopped on the machine, and we knew exactly what it was because there's telltale signs. What was the industry, by the way, the company industry? An attorney. It was an attorney. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So, obviously, all that information is extremely sensitive and Very much so. clandestine and uh, important to conducting business. Wow. Yeah. And uh, we, uh, we had recently put in a new backup system for them uh, just prior to this happening. And so we, we managed to get them up in about three or four hours, 100% of their information. Yeah. All, all we did was delete what was there and restore everything back. So there was no need to pay, pay anybody to get it back. So the perpetrator of, of, of this, in this scenario, in your estimation, what motivates that person? Because they, they weren't asking for you know, 10000 bucks to get your information back. Were they just, whoever they is, were they just being, you know, just, evil people or mischievous or, you know, I mean, there are some people that commit vandalism, right? I mean, mm-hmm. they'll, they'll break your windshield. They'll, you know, they'll uh, deface a, a statue or, you know, that type of graffiti. So we understand that. Is this the same kind of thing? And re- we're talking about ransomware. And did, did it become much more sophisticated? Did it start with just, gee, I want to ruin some attorney's business, but then it became more of a criminal system activity kind of thing? It, it did. It, um, you know, hacking, it started off as uh, people just wanted to do it because it was a challenge. Uh, but with ransomware, they just wanted to do it to ruin your life. And then uh, they decided that they could make money off of it. You know, um, and, you know, with uh, Bitcoin and everything else existing now, um, they can do it, get paid, and nobody knows where the money went. Uh, just um, in 2020, it's estimated that there was a $19 billion total economic damage to the United States just on cybercrime. $19 billion. In yeah, and the average person listening, again, Straight Talk with Jeffrey Candelaria. We're with you every Saturday from 1 to 2 p.m., 1600 Kiva AM. My guest is uh, one of my new sponsors, Ben Morchek, president and CEO of S3. Um, it's an IT security company. Everybody has been a victim or knows somebody who's been hacked in one way or another, whether you're a business person or not, in the world of, of, of IT security. And everybody's familiar with Target, right? That was a famous example of somebody hacking in to the system, and lots of people who had Target cards were were, were victims or exposed, right, uh, they to got some in, degree? They got in through uh, an unpatched uh, POS system, so a payment system. So they, they hit basically the... Uh the cash register and the credit card machines. They, they were unpatched, and, um, yeah, and that, that's typically how it happens, um, yeah. is something isn't patched. Um, they, they've even gone, gone after my uh, industry. Uh, there, there's a platform called Kaseya, which you use to manage all of your clients, you know, servers, workstations, and everything else. Uh, a number of years ago, uh, people on the Kaseya platform, they got hacked if they didn't patch their servers. And that, in turn, shut down the IT company and all of the computers they managed. Wow. And, and we're, t- we're talking coast to coast, uh, lower 48 states. That, that was a lot of IT people. So, and Kaseya had another one, I believe, in 19. So they had two back-to-backs where they were compromised. And so they're actually going after the IT companies as well. Wow. So 
The other thing that I was looking at with some of these metrics with, with respect to ransomware was that $154,000 is the average payment? Yeah, uh, for 2020. So, so just as recent as two years ago, if a company, particularly a larger company, was exposed and a victim of ransomware, that is somebody hacking into their system, not allowing that company to operate because all that information is now in the hands of some other criminal, the average ransom request was $150,000, $154,000. Yes, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's insane they're going after water companies, uh, municipal water companies, and hacking them and shutting down the water systems. They're, uh, nobody's safe at this point. And yeah. um, it's, I've got a friend who works in the water industry, software, uh, doing software. And um, he said that there's there's municipalities within the United States that don't even have backup systems for their water companies. And so, you know, uh, just something as vital as uh, water yeah. is uh, at risk. And another thing that we don't talk enough about is when ransomware happens, and even when the payment is 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 executed, a lot of times that information still isn't released, right? I mean, does that also happen as well? Uh, maybe they release it, but they leave something there, a presence of another ransomware that uh, runs a payload 90 days later, and you have the nightmare on, you know, again. Wow. It, it's, I mean, they're, they're cyber criminals. You really can't trust them. Yeah. So you, you, can't, you can't trust them to keep their word. Well, it's like, you know, I guess I watched too many Columbo episodes, but we, if you pay an extortionist, you know, they're going to they're gonna continue to ask you know, for their monthly payment, if you will. So let's let's kind of move on a little bit, but what can the average business person do, or even the average person who has a computer, right? Because it can happen to an individual, correct? Yeah, I, I think that the best thing you can do first and foremost is some kind of training or education. And I'm not talking formal, but um, just just don't take it for granted. Uh, get out there, get a little educated. You know, um, there, there's, a, there's a number of different newsletters that you can sign up for where they'll send you things weekly or monthly saying, you know, be careful of this. So they're alerting you as to the latest scam, that type of thing? Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, yeah the, the latest scam or even the, the, the latest virus. Um, you know, there was a log for me that was just uh, recent that went after uh, Apache servers. Uh, so, you know, you, if, if you actually get news, uh, sign up for a newsletter, whatever it may be, and just um, use that for education. You know, you, you don't need to go to CNM or something like that and take a class, but you can just take the time to keep yourself informed. And so what are some of the rudimentary tips, though, that you could offer the average listener? For example, if, if somebody receives on their iPhone, their computer, or their computer at their business, an unsolicited email or an unsolicited, you know, you just purchased $850 gift at Macy's when that didn't happen. Should one like pursue that, open that email up or delete it or just give us some of those basic tips? I, I would de delete it immediately. Okay. Um, you know, it, it's using common sense. The IRS isn't going to e email you and say, hey, we want to talk to you. It's not, it's not going to happen. Um, a scam that's uh, going on now is somebody calling your home and saying, hey, this is such and such from Microsoft. Uh, there's something wrong with your computer. Do you mind if we hop on and work on your computer? That'll never happen. Microsoft mm. is not going to call you and say there's a problem on your computer. And if a person, whether they're business or just the individual layperson, again, straight talk with Jeffrey Candelaria here, again, is uh, Ben Morchek, president, CEO of a local company called S3. S3. It's an IT company, security company. If a person receives such a call or whatever, and, and you allow that person to get on your computer, 
now they have access to your computer, Control right? of your computer. They're probably downloading the contents of your My Documents folder, uh, your desktop, um, getting access to some of your most sensitive uh, data. So, you know, it, it's one of those um, using common sense. If you, if you get an email from said uh, Los Alamos National Bank or something and you don't do business with them, don't worry about the email. Just delete it. Delete it. Yeah. Okay. I, I guess that's what I was getting at for our listeners is don't engage an unsolicited email. Yeah. Uh, don't don't engage with it if you're on Facebook or wherever else you're on. And there, there's a link there that says, uh, you know, click here for a free iPad. There's Nothing's free. Uh, chances are there's a nefarious purpose behind it, either harvesting your credentials uh, or just harvesting your uh, personal information or uh, delivering a virus to your computer. So there is a black market to this if these hackers, they secure information about businesses or individuals. So now they have all this database. There's a, there's a market for that, I imagine, in the black market arena. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's, there's one instance, for, uh, for example, on an iPhone, you, you get a, a text message or email saying, hey, your, your, uh, your Apple identity has been uh, compromised. Uh, rather than interact with that message and go to the page that they tell you to, you go to Apple and log in that way and change your password to make sure your information. Chances are it's going to take you to a website and say, please put in your username and your current password and we'll change it for you. You just gave them their, your Apple ID and, again, accessed all your personal information, oh. photos and everything else. Yeah, that's that's fascinating and so commonsensical. But, you know, again, the average person isn't – none of us are really trained on – prevention of of hacking and ransomware or really how to even operate a computer in terms of these security measures. So the average person who does have a computer, and I'm not asking you to recommend a particular firewall, but are there are there certain ones that that you know you might kind of generically look at for the average user that that may be a layperson listening today on Straight Talk Wait. with Jeffrey Candelaria? Well, you can purchase a firewall, a software firewall that you just install on your computer, and it'll monitor all the traffic coming in and out of, the, of that computer. You could take it a step further, but it's going to cost you, and you're probably going to have to hire somebody to put it in. And it's a hardware fire, uh, firewall that would protect your entire house. Uh, not very many people do that. What are some of those calls? What are some of those systems called? Uh, a lot of people use uh, products like SonicWall. Uh, we, we actually use a product uh, um, manufactured by a company called Fortinet. Um, it, it's enterprise level uh, security. Um, you know, Sonic Wall firewalls—they're—they're they're decent. It, w- what's What's nice about them is they make a lot of sense for a home user. Uh, there's a wizard when you turn it on and you get it set up in your house. What do you want to do? And you answer all the questions, and it pre-configures it for you. And then all of a sudden, you've got a hardware firewall. Yeah. The other thing that I wanted to talk about before we continue again, my guest Ben Morchek, President CEO S3. It's an IT security company here in Albuquerque, a new sponsor. By the way, if you'd like to sponsor Straight Talk with Jeffrey Candelaria, uh, get a hold of me. My email address, I'm going to give it out, is uh, Jeffrey, J-F-F-R-E-Y, dot candy, 77, at gmail.com. Uh, get a hold of me that way. So when folks are designing a password, it's important that that password be, you know, fairly complex, I would imagine, Right. And should a person in business and individual change the password every few months? Or what, what are your, some of your recommendations about even creating something as rudimentary as a, as a password? Uh, in, in a business environment, uh, 
mo- most businesses they're they're going to have a 90 day policy that every 90 days you have to change your password. Uh, you know the the minimum length is probably going to be somewhere between seven and eight. Um, you know and, and uh, letters, numbers, uh, symbols, all of that rolled in there. Um, don't don't ever use anything with your first name or your last name. Um, you know it's we typically um, say there, there's a a song that you enjoy. Otis Redding sitting on the top of the bay. You could build a password based on the title of that song. Yeah. And, you know, it's something you remember, and it, you can type it in there, and not everybody's going to know that. But don't encrypt Let It Be 1969 Beatles' second-to-last album. I mean, you don't want to do that, right? Yeah. I mean, you've got to create some other uh, encrypted, uh, you know, symbols into something like your favorite song. Yeah, the, the like, more the more random, the better. Right. And, and uh, to to add an extra layer of uh, security, multi-factor authentication, tie it to your to your cell phone, uh, so that you get a text message with a number that you have to that you then have to put in to be able to access something. Yeah. Um, or you know, uh, get something um, uh, a multi-factor application on your phone and do the same thing. Okay. Um, so, you know, it, it keeps people out because it's just like your ATM card, something you have and something you know. To pull money out of your bank account, you've got to have the, the number to... Yeah, and also I understand a lot of hackers are also interested in learning about what your, whoever you is, I always say that on the show, whoever you is, what sites you're on, right? Mm-hmm. Because... Those sites that you are on indicate maybe purchase habits, uh, interests, things like that. So Facebook, when you like something, they create this psychological almost profile that's very specific to what you want to do. So, for example, and I want you to talk about that, why sites and commandeering or recognizing on the hacker side, why they care about what sites you're on or what you like on Facebook, I noted that uh, two years ago when I kind of started using Facebook a little bit for my business and so on, I, I liked uh, some shoes, running shoes, because I'm a runner, right? Mm-hmm. So almost within an hour, I started getting all these advertisements for running shoes. Yeah. It, so it's, talk a little bit about sites, why people who commandeer information care about what sites you're predisposed to, you know, clicking on to. You as the person, uh, you are the product for Facebook. Uh, so when, when you like something, no matter what it is, uh, they're, they're going to try to monetize that and drive you towards things that you're interested to. Uh, you know, to go to Zappos to buy a new pair of boots because you like the pair of boots on Facebook. Um, other websites the same way. I mean, there isn't anything for free in life, correct? So once you give them information, you take that survey or anything like that, you, you, you become the product and they figure out what you like and then they bombard you with, uh, with advertising. Yeah, okay. So the person who secures all these clicks that Jeffrey Candler or Eddie Aragon are interested in, they use that information that they sell to advertisers that are attached to those sites mm-hmm. and say, hey, send this guy a lot of ads, but you're gonna, it's going to cost you whatever it might for that access to that person's proclivity, I guess, their behavioral propensities. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the easiest way to, to do any kind of a- advertising, figure out what the person likes, Facebook. Um, you know, you click something, you like it, you make a comment on it, um, you sign up for a drawing or anything like that. 
and all of a sudden they understand that you like beef jerky, a certain type of beef jerky, and they're going to send it to your email. It's going to be ads on websites. Um, we had an instance one time in the office where uh, somebody was talking about uh, a hair product because, you know, their hair was thinning out. And they came back the next day and they said the oddest thing happened when they were on Facebook. They got ads for hair products. So it isn't just what you interact with. It's potentially what you're talking about yeah. and your phone being in proximity to you. And it's, it's, it's pulling in that advertising information. So I've got to ask, again, Ben Morchek, President CEO for S3 IT Company here in Albuquerque. This is Jeffrey Candler, Straight Talk with Jeffrey Candler. I've got to ask, Alexa, right? It's, uh, it's the device, and you speak into it or speak to it, and it will take your command and execute the command. Is it listening to everything that happens in that environment? Absolutely. Um, wow. Amazon even has uh, dedicated people that, you know, uh, to educate Alexa on how to interact with you better. I mean, you basically just bought something and gave Amazon permission to use your up in your own home. Yeah. Uh, we don't have those in our house. So let's say a lot of folks have Alexa, the, you know, the device that will execute your command based on your giving it an instruction. But if somebody's in an environment making love to their wife, I'm not trying to be crude or whatever, but someone's actually, in, not in theory, but listening to that activity? There's Reddit threads that talk about the same thing. Uh, so the answer is yes? Yes. Wow. It, it, well, I mean, how does it know that you, that you want it to do something unless it's constantly listening? That, that's the only way it can. That is um, when, really When I pick up my phone and I say, hey, Siri, I need this, how does she know? Because she's waiting for for me to, you know, ask her. I mean, I turn it off by default because I just, yeah. So just, I can just imagine all these nerd people in, you know, Northern California listening to all these things taking place that folks are absolutely unaware of. But you're basically opening up your life, the most intimate aspects of your privacy, to this device called Alexa or Siri. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they have uh, Amazon recently released, uh, what was it, the little robot that goes around in your house? Um, taking imaging of people's faces, uh, recording everything else. I mean, it, it's you're 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 buying a product and basically giving away your privacy. That's it, incredible. So let's talk a little bit about some of the distinctions between in the nomenclature of your world: backups, firewall, antivirus, email security, VPN. Because it, it can it can be a little convoluted. Mm -hmm. So let's just talk a little bit about, I think you've already mentioned antivirus. Mm -hmm. but break up some of these terms, the nomenclature of security for individuals and businesses. I mean, uh, first and foremost, backups uh, and having more than one. One is, one is none, two is one, three. Um, so having a backup, you know, preferably one locally that, that's in your house. And if you want to spend the money and you have the ability to uh, back your information up into the cloud. Um, so it's in two places. So if something happens at home, uh, heaven forbid you have a fire at home and everything's destroyed, that everything's in the cloud. Uh, but also, you know, to have it locally. Um, you know, you really don't need to spend much on it. You could just buy a USB hard drive, plug it into your computer, and set, set your computer up to back up all the information on it once a week, once a month, whatever you're yeah. comfortable with. Uh, businesses tend to run backups at least once a day every day. Uh, we do have some clients that have production environments, manufacturing, uh, that we back up twice a day, you know, once uh, at 7 p.m. and again at noon so that there's a snapshot midday. So if something happens, we can recover the information from that morning. Yeah. Distinction between firewall and antivirus? Uh, you, 
a hardware firewall is just a it's a unit that uh, you can use to restrict traffic coming in and out of a certain certain place. Antivirus is a, a set of software that you install in a computer that that prevents malicious things from being executed. You can buy packages where a software firewall and antivirus are all rolled into one, like yeah. uh, something like ABG. You could buy something like that and get them both, and that that would be ideal for a home user is to have something like that. So if it sees uh, suspicious behavior, it asks you, are you sure that you want to do this? Or this is trying to connect to your computer, yes or no? It, and so you, you have to consciously click something to allow something to happen. Okay. VPN. Uh, virtual private networking. Uh, so uh, home users, uh, same thing you know, with Alexa and everything else. Your internet provider, they are watching everything that you do online. Uh, they're, they're looking at where you're going. Um, probably to deliver you advertising or to sell your information to somebody for that said advertising. If you use a VPN, basically what it does is it, it masks what you're doing on the, uh, on the internet so you have an amount of privacy. So um, typically a VPN, you can make it to where you're coming out of Canada and all your traffic is generated out of Canada to a website or anything else. But it just, it gives you an amount of safety and privacy, you know, in, in this digital age where there is no privacy. Yeah. Nor is there any and, and you've just really hit on something, you know, so obvious. The phones called, you know, are mostly the uh, the iPhone has Siri, right? Mm-hmm. Is is Siri generally on or or do you have to, do you, I always say to you, whoever you is, do you have to engage Siri or is it in theory always listening even on the iPhone? That, that's, that's up for debate. Out of the box, Siri is always on. And you have to physically go in and turn it off. Uh, same thing with location services. Um, I, I saw an interesting thing where somebody took an Android device, two of them, I think in Chicago or New York, turned one completely off and put the other one in airplane mode and walked around the city for a little bit. And then he went back to his office and plugged them into a device that can uh, determine what, what it's about, what, what something is talking to digitally. So the, the one that was in airplane mode was still capturing all his movement. But the shocking thing was the one that they had turned off, as soon as they turned it on, it transmitted all of the movement of that individual back to, uh, to Google. That's incredible. So it was off, but it was still tracking where you're going. So once again, Google is, is so hyper-involved in understanding almost everything a person does 24-7. Yes. And I don't know that we are, are aware enough of that. So, for example, anyone out there listening to Straight Talk with Jeffrey Candelaria, probably 9 out of 10 people have, or maybe 8 out of 10, have an iPhone, smartphone, mm-hmm. correct? Yeah. It tracks your movements, your who you've talked to, what you clicked on. I mean, it has to be tracked somewhere, right? Yeah. So, you know, they, again, that's how they... They deliver advertising to you. That, that's how they sell you to other companies. Yeah. Uh, somebody gets a hold of somebody uh, in marketing over at Apple, and uh, they say, "Hey, you know, we we're, we're a new company. We're selling this, this, and this. We need you to help us get, you know, uh, customers." Well, oddly enough, um, all these people were looking. They, they Googled uh, this search term, which you know is close to your product. We'll send them your way, or let us know. Build build an ad platform, and we'll send it to those users. Yeah. Um, so you know it. You know Google's a free product. You know to be able to uh, use for a search engine. 
But again, you're the product. They're, yeah. they're selling you. They're selling you. Yeah. They're selling your behavior. Yes. And because behavior dictates a motivation, activity, action, mm-hmm. and all those are you can you can commoditize all of that or monetize rather mm-hmm. all of that. And again, I just don't know that we talk enough about how our security is so compromised based on the technology we attach ourselves to in our business and our private lives. Well, I mean, you know, uh, I, I go back and forth on it whether or not the information that's uh, Alexa's gathering or Apple devices are gathering, if it's going to be used for nefarious purposes in the future. You know, from right now, from what I can see, it's just typically just selling you, you know, to, to, to make more money, you know, so other companies can make more money. Uh, but, you know, there, there are hacking methods to where they actually drop something into onto somebody's computer or onto a network and it just sits there and gathers information for months and months. Uh, well, not too long ago, the average uh, time that I, from the time of, de- uh, of the incidents and the time of detection was somewhere close to six months that a hacker had breached a network put, and basically watched the network and gathered all of the information before it was detected. And more times than not, the information had already left the network. So you were compromised. You didn't know it. And they just sat there collecting information. My guest is Ben Morchek, President and CEO S3. We're talking about security, cybersecurity for the individual, for the business, uh, particularly here in Albuquerque. What's your contact information again? That's uh, going to be S3 Technologies, 505-242-5683. Yeah. But essentially, Google, Facebook, they are essentially hacking all the time. Yeah. That, that pretty much sums it up. Yeah. So, you know. You know, is it ever going to be used for a nefarious reason? I don't know. I mean, you, you've seen uh, applications that get booted off of platforms for various reasons, um, you know, whether it's political or anything else. And that, that that's the unfortunate side of it is uh, they they have all this power. They're in your home. They're listening and they're selling you. Uh, that That's... That's that's really troubling, and I think that's that's an aspect that a lot of people just don't think about. They they love the convenience of these devices. Consequently, Google, Apple, Siri, uh, Alexa—they're all listening to everything we do. If we have our devices on, mm-hmm. even sometimes when the device is on airplane mode, but why wouldn't then these unelected institutions like the FBI, CIA, be doing the same thing to the average person? Uh, they already are. They already are. Okay. Yeah. I mean, there's a massive uh, complex in Utah that, um, you know, uh, probably NSA, I believe. Uh, you know, they're supposed to spy on people outside of the continental United States. Um, that's not necessarily true. And, you know, we, we've seen the bubblings and stories online of them gathering information on uh, American citizens and um, without a warrant. Yeah. So essentially what we're discussing, and I tend to be a cynical person, is we are surveilled all the time. Our privacy has been compromised, particularly with the introduction of all this technology that we celebrate for the purposes of convenience every day, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So we welcomed our iPhones, our Series, our Alexas, our Googles to give us convenience, access to you know, information, access to products and services. But in doing so, we welcomed also the absence of being private citizens in our own homes, in our own automobiles, in our own businesses. You, uh, in exchange for the convenience, you gave up privacy and security. 
that's the unfortunate side of it. Um, you know, you, you let or you allowed uh, corporate America into your home. Um, in turn, you uh, invited the federal government into your home as well. Well, also these institutions that we didn't elect, mm-hmm. like FBI, CIA, NSA, Patriot Act, all that, we allowed them into our most intimate private aspects of our of our of our world our behavior yeah i mean uh, even uh the security cameras in your home you know same thing and, and it's pushing all of the recordings into the cloud Wh- who's looking at that you know i, I recently uh, moved our home or surveillance in, uh, for our home onto another platform that isn't cloud-based so everything stays inside um i, I just we had a what was it a ring uh, doorbell same thing, who's coming and going in your house. I mean, it, it's really nobody's business but your own. Yeah. But it, it was storing all of that in the cloud, it's which really means... really interesting. You're right, because I, it's so obvious. Everyone that has a ring, you know, you're bringing in your, your wife, your mistress, yeah. your ex-girlfriend, your little kid, your Aunt Mary. Your, someone knows who goes and leaves, you know, egress, ingress your home. I, I mean, it's so obvious. We don't, we don't think about that. Well, I mean, uh, you know, think about it. If you're storing uh, pictures in the cloud, you know, like uh, you have iCloud for uh, for the iPhone. If you're storing those pictures in the cloud, uh, you're no longer in possession of them. And who has access to them? And that, that's a question that nobody asks. Um, you know, so who's looking at them? Who's potentially selling them? And anything else? I mean, you, it's you're giving them access to, and I mean, everything can be compromised. Yes, right. Yeah. Everything can be subject to extortion. Yeah, there's celebrities. Um, you know, case in point, uh, what is it called? The the fappening or something like that. That is leaked celebrity cell phones of all their most imp- intimate stuff, and and it people get into it. They get into their iCloud accounts and they publish it online. So. Let's reverse engineer the conversation a little bit since we've uncovered this cynical thing called we don't have privacy. What, again, are some of the things we can do to at least uh, mediate some of the, you know, the compromising of our of our privacy? Uh, You know, don't have an Alexa, you know, and I'm not being flippant here. What are some of the things we can do to recapture, you know, some of our privacy? Uh, less reliance on the cloud. Um, you know, you have to ask yourself the question that when you push your information up into Google Drive or anything like that, um, who has access to it? You know, um, uh, did you put uh, something on there, security, so it's encrypted while it's up there and it needs a multi-factor authentication to get into it? You know, you, you just need to kind of, the less reliance that you have on cloud-based storage, uh, the better off you are. I mean, uh, it, you're better off to secure your information by keeping it in your four walls. That's the safest place. Uh, you know, a lot of my clients, they ask, hey, we want to move this to the cloud, and we have that very same conversation. What if you take your business information and you put it into a cloud platform? What guarantees are there that it's going to stay in the United States of America and that some of that information isn't stored in Europe that has different laws, different oh. expectations of privacy? And so you have to ask all these things for you. Yes, it's convenient, but at what cost? And yeah. I, I think that that's, the, that that's the biggest struggle that we have is that we want our clients to be as secure as possible, but we want everything to be functional, so there's this. Yeah, because blend. people still want convenience and functionality and ease of use. Yeah. But at the same time, if you do that, you have to be very wary that you're compromising, you know, your business's privacy, the individual. Uh, that's privacy. a problem that we have as a society. We become very lazy. 
And, you know, we just, most people just want, they just expect things to work and they just want it to be as easy as possible, but they never think about the repercussions of uh, what that is. Uh, For for that convenience, there's a lot of security problems. Again, those of us that have Alexas at our home, maybe disconnected until you want to use it. Maybe is that advisable? Or maybe put it part of the house that... um, you're not too worried about it. You know, maybe the kitchen, wherever it is. But, you know, it, personally for me. Not in your bedroom. <laughs> that, 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 that bothers me. It's like, you know, hey, can we put this in the bedroom? It's like, not, not so much. Yeah. You know, it, it just, it, it really bothers me. So, you know, but everybody's a little different. Is it overly paranoid? I mean, I, if you just did a, a search, whether it's DuckDuckGo, Google, or whatever your favorite search engine is, and, and you looked up the horror stories, or you go to Reddit and you look it up, you'll see documented horror stories of, uh, Google and uh, Apple and uh, Amazon um, recording, you know, some of the most intimate things or not, maybe not even intimate, but just private conversations, you know, that you're having with a loved one. And um, it's they've got departments that just pick that apart, you know, for, quote, unquote, the education of the device to make the platform smarter to, to interact with oh, you yeah. better. So ostensibly or under the auspices, oh, we're just trying to improve the device. You got all these creepy little nerd guys and gals and whatever uh, in Northern California listening to intimate conversations that people have in the privacy of their own homes. And those folks are, for the most part, unaware that they're surrendering that information to these little creepy people under the auspices that are just trying to improve the advice or the device. Yeah, and I I think, you know, with your interactions when you go out to the internet and what you read and things like that, it's probably very uh, predictable. You know, so the average person doesn't think, well, what is my phone doing? What What is Alexa doing? Because it's kind of cool. Um, and it, most people don't think about that. But, you know, I would encourage the listeners to actually start thinking in that context of security because uh, there's, there isn't anything in life that's, uh, that's free. So in exchange for something, you, you've got to give them something. Yeah. I get that. Again, my guest and new sponsor is Ben Morchek, President CEO S3 Security. Let me tell you, folks, if you have questions, give him a call. He's a local person here on Kiva 1600 AM and a sponsor of Straight Talk with Jeffrey Candelaria. Your contact information again, Ben? Uh, it's going to be Ben Morchek with S3 Technologies, 505-242-5683. Again, let's begin to conclude and you can begin to conclude a segment i know it sounds antithetical identity theft i mean you know that's not necessarily your expertise but that's another thing that that really happens very often Mm -hmm. and even like on facebook another tip that you know maybe you want to remind our listeners if you're going out of town you know we're going to be going to Las Vegas. I'm not going to say when. Mm-hmm. The last thing you want to do is say, hey, I'm going to be leaving to Las Vegas for three weeks beginning Thursday. <laughs> you know, right? And, and you just told the world nobody is going to be home. Come right. by and rob me. Um, you know, the, the same thing goes with uh, your identity. You know, don't put, your, don't put your date of birth on uh, Facebook or any social media platform uh, because that's, that's another piece. Um, you know, how many listeners use a portion of their date of birth and a password? Um, you know, you're, you're presenting very specific information, you know, something else that's, uh, that's at risk is uh, the mortgage of your home. Um, and that uh, hackers, uh, the, for some reason, counties that hold your, your mortgage information, uh, they don't 
they don't have regulations for some reason, you know, federally mandated or anything else. So mortgage security is a problem. And, you know, before you know it, because of the private information that you posted on social media and the things that you you gave away, somebody's able to piece together your identity and contact somebody and, and pull a uh, an equity uh, against against your home, against your title. And, and that's and beginning that's happening a lot. So yeah. someone knows John T. Candelaria lives on Broadway and you know, date of birth, da da da. These hackers piece together that information. They go to a bank or a loan company. Oh, I, I want a thirty percent loan on that mortgage. And if it happens to be a half million dollar mortgage, you know, that could be two hundred thousand dollar loan unbeknownst to the owner of that home, and there aren't really a lot of security layers to protect that type of activity. So the next thing that person knows, John T. Candelaria, he gets a letter from the bank, your first payment is due, you know, February 1st. Yeah, and you know, you-, you And you really can't do anything about it. No, it, it, it's a nightmare. So, you know, they have insurance companies just for that, that monitor uh, your mortgage and everything else. Um, you know, you even have, uh, what is it? Uh, I think one product is called like Home Title Lock is one of those. And and it watches everything that happens to your home so that it, there's another layer of security that somebody doesn't get your uh, identification and then wipe you out financially. I mean, you know, most people, um, their wealth is uh, rolled into their house. That That is their wealth. The the, the value of the home and the equity that they Well, have it also home. affects our credit score mm-hmm. and all those other things. And, you know, that's why it's probably important. I think you would advise, I mean, I check my credit card uh, account probably three times a week. Yeah. I mean, those little things are pretty, pretty important. They sound real obvious, but I mean, monitoring, being vigilant, being vigilant about your own privacy, mm-hmm. about your own accounts, your mortgage, all those things. I mean, you have to monitor that, right? I mean, it's just so obvious, but with all this hacking going on in every aspect of our experience called the human condition, mm-hmm. it's even more important now than ever that we are very vigilant about every aspect of Everything that we have, monetized banks, accounts, our ring systems, our technology, all of that. I mean, yeah, security is up to you as an individual. And, you know, uh, you know, I, I value my information, you know, my financial information and everything else, even, even the information of my children. So, you know, it's, it, it's your responsibility. Okay. we got about 10 minutes. Uh, ben, one, one more time. Uh, again, thank you for sponsoring Straight Talk with Jeffrey Candler. I really appreciate that. Uh, your contact information again, please. Uh, ben Morchek with S3 Technologies, 505-242-5683. Uh, some other things that we hadn't talked about, you know, in terms of the uh, nomenclature of your world, automated security, log, what's log aggregation? We hear that a lot, log aggregation. Uh, it's just a nerdy term. Uh, so basically we use products to analyze everything that happens on a given network in real time. And that activity, uh, then we can set up metrics that alert us when certain things are happening in a network. Like uh, Bob's account, somebody tried to log into it uh, more than five times in X amount of uh, seconds or a minute. It'll flag us because that, that's usually an indicator that there's a problem. Um, you know, uh, also l- lets us know if something from the outside is attempting to connect to the network. And it alerts us and says, hey, there, there's something bad going on. And so it, it's, a, it's a more proactive way of getting at it. Um, same, same thing when we monitor our client's network. Uh, we have sensors that tell us when something goes down. 
so then I can have somebody dispatched to go take a look at it. I don't want the phone call from a client, hey, we're down. It's, it's the other way around. We're calling the client, hey, we understand there's a system down. We're sending somebody over. Um, it's, it's all of the different pieces. So the uh, log aggregation is just a piece of the, the puzzle that just allows us to analyze things in real time and come up with a response before it becomes a problem. So in your world, I mean, you typically deal more with business and individuals. Mm-hmm. Having said that, what, are there certain industries that are more predisposed to being hacked than others? Um, the hospital systems, they're after them all the time. Um, so hospitals, your health Right, your health profile, mm-hmm. mine, his, whatever. Why is that so, you know, salient to these, you know, evil, pernicious, malignant people that, you know, commandeer that information? Well, the medical information, uh, your medical records have everything in there. Your date of birth, got it. Everything. I mean, that uh, social security number, uh, policy information. I mean, that, that's a one-stop shop all for you. Um, you know, they even go after e-commerce. You know, you, you see it several times a, a year that such and such uh, website was compromised and all the accounts were compromised. All your credit card information was compromised. That's why it's, it's always a good idea when, when you're doing an online checkout. Don't tell the, the site to store your credit card information so you can use it next time. That's a really bad idea. You know, yes, it saves you, saves you some time, but that's just another nugget of you that you're leaving online. That's for really important because a lot of us have done that, including me. Yeah. So I guess I need to rethink all that. How does one un, undo that? It's time consuming. You know, you, you're getting not you, you probably don't remember, you know, what I bought a T-shirt from here and you haven't bought it, you know, in a few years. But did you tell it to remember yeah. To save that, you know, it just, I, I think that, you know, with the things that you normally interact with, it's pretty easy to go back and say, you know, delete this card and then just remember moving forward. Well, you know, another thing that might be advisable, I'm just thinking, you know, spontaneously here on Straight Talk with Jeffrey Gandelaria, because that's the kind of guy I am. Maybe every couple of years get a new credit card. Is that possibly advisable? Yeah, I think the last time I looked at a uh, the, the latest bank card that they gave me, it doesn't expire for like another five years. Um, so I, I periodically get new credit cards just because they start fading and wear and tear. So usually about every two years. Okay. Um, and it's it's less of a nightmare in that sense. You get a new card and then all of a sudden you get the notifications. Hey, your payment didn't go through for your electricity bill. You know, that, that's... Again, that's down to convenience. People, you know, just I'll, I'll pay my electricity. But what bill. it does do, though, is it will it will eliminate, eradicate those, uh, you know, those those entities that you did surrender that information to, mm-hmm. because that number will no longer be valid. Yeah. There is a little bit of inconvenience of having to let P and M or whatever know, hey, here's my new credit card number. Yeah. But on the other side of that coin, it does, in a sense, reposition your cybersecurity, you know, positioning, you know, relatively speaking or metaphorically speaking then, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it like, say for uh, the water company, you tell it to save your information. And you remember previously in the show, I had mentioned that uh, water, water uh, companies, uh, sometimes they don't have backups, sometimes they don't have security. Yeah. So a hacker wants to get at you, but how do they get at you? They know that certain industries or certain utility companies don't have very good security. And then they just walk in and again, they've got all your information, your, you know, your credit card information and where you live and your phone number yeah. and everything else. You know, another, another number that really is probably maybe the most profound number attached to the individual in this place called the United States of America is our social security number. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And 
there's a lot of hacking that goes around there. I know a lot of folks, particularly older folks, tend to surrender that information by these, you know, these evil people. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about social security numbers, kind of what to do, what not to do. Give us some, some thoughts around that. Uh, uh, does anybody legitimately need your secure, social security number uh, other than going out and getting a loan, uh, you know, for a vehicle or pulling a mortgage or uh, potentially going to the hospital? I mean, there isn't anybody else that legitimately needs it. I, I remember once upon a time uh, I was with my father in Bell's when I was in uh, junior high, and I remember here arguing with the person, you know, for the Bell's card. They wanted his social security number, and he quoted like the, ni- the Act of 1976 or whatever it was about privacy, and he refused to give them the social security number. And they're like, "You need it for an account." He was like, "You want to try that again?" And they, they, you know, they opened the credit account with him without, yeah. you know, giving the social security number, but. You know, there, there's that huge debate on whether or not you should. Not, you know, those instances of an automobile, a mortgage, and healthcare. Who else needs it? Yeah. Again, as we begin to conclude, your contact infor- information. Uh, ben Morchek is my guest. S3 uh, Security is his company. Uh, your contact information. Uh, it's going to be Ben uh, with S3 Technologies. Five zero five two four two five six eight three. You know, another thing that goes on pretty regularly. It happened to me yesterday. Mm-hmm. So, by the way, Happy New Year, everyone. I'm at, I'm at uh, Home Be- uh, Depot because I do a lot of, you know, handiwork and welding and this and that and the other. People are giving out their phone numbers in line. Yeah. So they asked me for my phone number to validate something I was doing. And I said, well, I don't want to just blurt it out. So I, I wrote it down, which probably was another mistake. But, mm-hmm. I mean, literally, you know, there was there happened to be this good-looking woman in front of me now i didn't take it down but she literally gave out her phone number in line i mean so obviously those kinds of things we should not do correct well i mean you know if a business is asking for your phone number you know it could be legitimate because you know they want uh they want to put you in the system but i I don't know if you get them but uh, the text messages with advertising or even the really but but i'm just saying you know, one should not just enunciate it out loud with other people in line, right? I, I probably, you probably want to write it down and uh, show them visually rather than blurt it out uh, for the safety of your children, uh, your wife, your loved one. I mean, you know, by them blurting it out, they just gave somebody that may not be the best person in the world the yeah. information so they can start stalk- stalking you. Yeah. So. And another thing on Facebook I see all the time is, here I am in Tahiti for four months. We kind of talked about that, mm-hmm. but if you're saying to the world i'm in tahiti for four you're not at home right yeah or um you know the other side of the side of the coin uh wife daughter girlfriend um they post online hey i'm, I'm going to be over here uh, yeah. at this place this restaurant this bar or whatever you're announcing to the world and potentially somebody that doesn't have the best intentions towards you where you're going to be in a great point time. yeah i'm going to go shopping at uh the mall so they're they may know you're going to be in your car alone at the mall. You know, I'm going to have to have you back. Thanks for being a sponsor of Straight Talk with Jeffrey Candelaria. Uh, ben, last uh, last time, your contact information, please. 505-242-5683, S3 Technologies. Thank you for listening to Straight Talk with Jeffrey Candelaria on Kiva 1600 AM, the rock of talk. Thank you, Aragon. Eddie Aragon, happy new year. <laughs>